Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. It's been 20 years since Steve Bidolf released his seminal book, Raising Boys. It was a book that drew attention to some alarming patterns in boy behaviours, from crime to suicide, and was a call to action for real change. A lot has happened in those 20 years. For example, I now work with young men who were just babies when that book was released, Parenting itself seems to change at a mind-spinning pace. Steve has just released a revised edition of the book called Raising Boys in the 21st Century. And I'm curious to know, what are the most important changes in these last two decades that have made it into the book? Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm fine, thank you. Now, obviously, this is a re-release of the original, so there's still things that are relevant in the book that haven't changed. But what would you say are the most significant changes over the last 20 years for boys? Yes, well, there was such a huge amount of neuroscience that has come out. Uh, We probably know five times as much about the brains of boys. And so I pretty much tore up the old book and started again, although you're right, the good stuff is still in there. But it's it's a lot about the fact we're starting to understand why males may be the more vulnerable gender. Um, that even in the womb, when a little baby boy starts to, his body becomes a male body, which is probably around the second or third month in the womb that it really begins to change. The testosterone that he produces himself slows his brain development. And so boys' brains grow more slowly and they're, they're about three weeks behind at birth but they stay slower. And so even at age five, there are parts of a boy's brain which are around 20 months behind a girl's brain. And so, and when a brain grows more slowly, it's more vulnerable for longer. And so some of those effects of anxiety and stress and even environmental um, um, pollutants and things like that, boys are more likely to be damaged by all those things. And so it may be, on the one hand, a bit, concerning but on the other it may be we're starting to understand why we have those persistent problems with male violence for example and and boys and men who just don't seem to be in very good um, emotional health throughout their lives so it may be that we're on the brink of solving some of those big problems. Um, Of course those those are really interesting um, revelations that you found out in that time I'm wondering as well, how has parenting changed, though? Because you must have seen a lot of change over the last 20 years. Yes. Well, it's, I mean, it's been fantastic because one of my biggest goals with the first Raising Boys book was to let dads know that they had a distinctive and really important job. In, in my generation, dads were just like the walking wallet. And, and all through the 20th century, men thought they were, basically thought that it was a woman's job to raise children. And I, we, we knew that wasn't right, and we really wanted to change that. And so in the time since the first book, the amount of time the dads, and, and this would be the dads of listening to this program, have trebled the amount of time that they spend with their children. And so it's gone up from about an average of eight minutes a day, which it was in the 1980s, to about 
on average around 40 minutes a day that dads spend now interacting with their kids. And Siobhan, because that's an average figure, that means that many dads are doing an amazing job. And so we now, I think we can really safely say that parenting can be an equal role sharing between men and women, which is just such a brilliant thing for everyone involved. What are the areas that we still need to work on? Yes, well, I think there are there are new hazards. And I think, um, for instance, the, the, the vulnerability of boys under the age of one means that we have to take better care of young parents because life is stressful and and we need calmer environments and we need for parents to feel that they're able to to chill out in those early months and, and early years and not feel hassled and pressured by the outside world. And But also there are a couple of other stages, The what we call the full-on fours, which, are, which is the age when um, little boys, um, some hormonal changes take place in, in four-year-old boys, a thing called luteinizing hormone, which starts to flood into their bodies. It's the very beginnings of setting down their, um, their hormone pattern. And it makes them, and we don't even know quite why, much more physical. And so um, really important to know that they're not bad just because they're very, very active. And mums and dads who know how to, you know, it's like if you have a, a, a big dog in your house, you know, it's just a really good idea to take it for a run every night. And um, it's the same with boys and some girls too. We, our lives today are just are too cramped and too restricted for movement. And so finding ways to just use your body turns out that helps your brain development a whole lot and we all need to be more outdoors more active and more relaxed you're listening to kindling conversation i'm speaking with steve bidolf who has re-released his book um, raising boys it's called raising boys in the 21st century and he's included a lot of new information data that he has found in the intervening 20 years before the book was first released and it made a big impact when it was first released because it called attention to I guess you could say the plight of boys um, that boys were not doing so well in a number of areas. Um, Steve are there um, any specific risk factors that have changed in that time? Um, Look I think in fact a Things are on the up with boys. I think we, we've we've really turned the corner. There's probably rarely been a better time to be a boy because one of the things we've changed is we realise about gender fluidity and that um, the gender is on a continuum. And just knowing the little your child is a boy doesn't tell you anything about their nature. Um, it, it means that we, we have to get to know that individual child. Some baby boys, when they're born, if they take a sample from the, the, the um, umbilical cord blood, which researchers like to do because it's easy to get, um, umbilical cord blood in some boys is very high in testosterone and in some boys it's very low. And so there's a spectrum of, if you like, um, maleness even within boys. And the boys that have high testosterone they tend to have a lot of trouble with reading and with language and that correlates with reading problems in school. And so it, it, this helps us as parents because what it means is you've got a boy who's very physical and buffy and, and loves to use his body to be sure to tell him lots of stories and chatter to him and don't just stick him on a screen somewhere and let him go because we need men now. We're looking at the designing the kind of man we want. And so we want 
we don't want men who can wrestle buffaloes anymore. We, we want um, men who are good communicators. And so if you have a high T boy, work a bit harder to get make sure he likes books, he likes stories, uh, he likes chatting, he can express his feelings, he, can, he feels okay about crying. And if you've got a boy who's very sensitive and, and creative, maybe just do a little bit more to teach him to stand up for himself and to use a loud voice and stick his gin out so that he, he can be um, tough when he needs to be, but not trying to put him into a box and saying, you know, boys have to be like this. And I think that's the really good news story. Because of, of transgender and, and gay rights, we've now people aren't so worried now about putting boys into a mould, and it means every boy can relax and be more himself. One of the more controversial points in your first book was around young boys and childcare. Um, you didn't believe it was good for them under the age of three, I think. Um, have you changed your opinion on that? Look, of course, whenever we talk about childcare, it's a thing that has to be based on a family's circumstances. And and so the importance that, that men share the child bearing as much as women do and that every family has economic pressures and circumstances to, to weigh up. But the, the research that has been added just in the last 12 months coming out of, again, out of brain studies because of this vulnerability is we'd certainly say that under one, it's a, it's a really bad idea to have a, little boys away from their primary carer. Um, they're much more prone to separation anxiety on the whole. And so, so, so under one, the, the, and this isn't just me, this is the people who are researching this, you know, in the, in the neuroscience field are saying, look, attachment really matters. Um, after one, um, maybe a little bit of, of daycare is all right, and, but it's, it's never first rate, Siobhan. It's just like it's, it's what we sometimes have to do, but it's, it's always second rate to having one person who, who is responsive to that one child, if we can possibly do that. That's the gold standard. And what about um, the ideal age for boys to start school? Because I know that is something that a lot of parents think about every year. I know I'm already thinking about it with my son. Um, is there any ideal age for boys to start? Yes. Now, look, on our Facebook, I have a, a Raising Boys Facebook community with 130,000 parents, and they're in many different countries. And we've had a huge discussion just this week because it's turning out that Again, because of boys' slower brain development, they're, they're needing to use their bodies an awful lot around about the age of four to five. And school has changed, Siobhan. I'm, I'm sure you've heard this from your listeners, that school has gotten much more serious and much more formal. It's not the same as when we went to kindy and to prep. They sit down on the mat and they start doing their alphabets like from the first day. And so uh, specialists all over the world are pointing to countries like Finland and Germany where kids don't start till seven. That basically kids should be playing all day um, and under the age of six. And, and that's probably doubly so for boys, for most boys. And some girls too really hate being cooped up. And so many people as a result of reading Raising Boys delay the starting of their sons. That would be probably in the millions of people have done that around the world. New Zealand has changed its rules um, and um, many, many groups of parents have just simply not reported in with their child. They've just sort of not, not, not sent them along because they knew. And it's an individual thing. It's not based on age. It's, it's a, it's, the calendar is a terrible guide to school readiness. In New Zealand, you can you wait until your fifth birthday and you can join in the school year any time during the year. 
and the teachers prefer that. They say it's much better to have kids coming in, you know, when they're old enough rather than just everyone starts on January the 30th. So it's an individual thing. Look at your child. Talk to their kindy teacher. Is your little boy looking like he's ready to sit still, ready to talk? <laughs> and if they have to, <laughs> yes, It's the ready to sit still bit, isn't it? Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's pretty obvious, really. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you. You've answered a few of my questions, but I'm sure a lot of que- a lot of questions that parents have out there for their boys. Thanks so much for speaking with us. Wonderful to talk to your listeners. Thank you. Bye. That's psychologist and author Steve Biddulph, and the updated version of Raising Boys in the 21st Century is available at all good bookstores.